Hi, thanks for joining us this week for the Living the Call podcast. In this podcast, we explore how our calling doesn't just make us more churchy, but affects our entire lives. We're all called to something greater. So how does that affect the topics relevant to your life and your family? Let's get into it. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us this week. Um, here in the studio, as always, I'm Anderson and we have Isaac Givens. Hey, potatoes. And joining us this week as our special guest is Sydney O'Gwyn. Sydney, you want to tell us a little more about yourself? Yeah. Hey, everyone. My name is Sydney O'Gwyn, and I'm currently a junior at Texas Tech, and I go to Calvary as well, and I am plugged in through Calvary and the kids' ministry, and then I also run the kids' clothes closet at Hope Shalom, and then I also, I go to Indiana Baptist, and I'm plugged in through their college ministry. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today. Yeah. Uh, we We brought you on to talk about following Christ in a world that's not. So obviously, uh, just by living life as a Christian, you find out that this world is not Christian friendly, particularly the school you go to, Texas Tech, uh, is not Christian friendly, right? Yeah. Recently, it hasn't been the best Christian environment, especially with the culture that we're living in. And um, we had a, a lady, a very strong evangelist, and I would even call her an extremist come to our campus. And there was a quite a few other extremists that came along with her. She basically shamed every student that walked by to talk to her. And there was gatherings of 300 plus students at a time talking with her. And she would say, oh, you're going to hell. And they were like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to hell, like party. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the kind of thing we want, yeah. especially trying to live like a Christ-like life. And just be in that environment. And it was very evil. Like mm-hmm. you could feel Satan when you walked up into that crowd and you just didn't want to be there. And the thing that made us so sad, like me and my friends that are living that Christ-like life is that we couldn't do anything about it. So it's been super negative on Tech's campus lately. It's just been a struggle to like stay positive in such a negative world. But I think that just being able to be involved in like two great churches has helped that a lot. Mm-hmm. Having this person come to Tech's campus and having her be negative to non-believers, did did you notice their reactions? How did they react to her? How how is the overall feeling on campus towards Christians right now? The overall feeling is just hate, just strong hate towards anything Christian, because they think Christians are such hypocrites because of people um, like this extremist. They think that all we're ever going to do is hate them. All we're ever going to do is blame them for their mistakes. But what we're really wanting to do is help them and help them know the man that made us to live on this earth and to glorify him. And that's just something that's going to be very hard to do because of their negative outlook on everything right now. But all we can do is really pray about it and see what God wants us to do. But really their overall look on Christians is just, they just don't like us. And they think that every Christian is a hypocrite and that we're not truly Christians. So in that we're, we're talking about following Christ in a world that's not, uh, I, you read the Bible and you look at what Jesus did. A lot of times he would speak to crowds. He would gather groups of people together and, uh, he would, he would speak truth to them. So how is this different? Why, you know, isn't that living like Jesus if we're, 
bringing groups of people together and uh, telling them truth about God? The thing is, is that these extremists aren't telling truth. You would ask them a question about the Bible and they would quote like the same three verses. They didn't truly know the Bible and all they wanted to do is hate on you and tell you everything you've done in your life is a sin that you don't deserve heaven. But Jesus wouldn't do that to us, but God, he's our, the only judge. We are told that we're not allowed to judge that God is the only judge. And by going out and judging these students by whatever sin they have done, that's not Jesus. Like that's not Christ. Like, and that's why it's different is because Christ isn't going to be like, Oh my goodness. Like, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. Like, and you're going to hell like these extremists were doing. I think um, the difference between Jesus and this woman who came to Tech's campus, I've seen a couple of videos. This lady's ended up on TikTok. She's kind of ended up on the internet. And she almost makes it into, into the show, into this thing where even though she has a crowd gathered around her, it's almost a joke. And it's almost she's saying things just to get people's attention and to almost become this celebrity in herself. Mm -hmm. And what's ending up happening is she's getting a lot of people to point to her, to focus on her and what she's got going on. When Jesus, even though he did have huge crowds, even though he did have big groups, he got people to point to God. He got people to see what it really meant. He got people to reflect, not to feel shamed, but to reflect on their lives, to look at the actions that they're doing and process and wonder and think. That's why he taught in parables. That's why he taught in all these things to make people learn different ways that they might not be learning. And so I think Jesus came at it at a standpoint of love, and this woman came at it at a standpoint of shame. I think that that's a really good point. Um, you, you can cut this out if it's heretical or if I'm wrong, but but I believe uh. I believe a lot of times in the New Testament, when Jesus would call out sin, it would be one-on-one -on -one personal interactions. Mm -hmm. um, and Jesus, of course, being God, knows those people, knows their hearts. I think to uh, the Samaritan woman at the well, and Jesus walked up to her and, and he told her, you've had, what, seven husbands, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you've had seven husbands, and the one you're living, the man you're living with right now isn't your husband. Um, he, he knew her and he was talking one-on-one -on -one with that woman. And the end of that conversation wasn't, Hey, you better change your ways or, or you're going to hell. It wasn't, Hey, you're going to hell because of what you did. It wasn't shaming her. It was offering her life. He ended that conversation by telling her like, I'm a way that you don't have to satisfy your desires with earthly things anymore. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think in my own opinion, it's more powerful to connect with people one-on-one -on -one, to like make that Christ connection with them than going into a crowd, like going into a crowd. That's great. Cause you never know what like seeds you're going to plant in their lives, but it's even more powerful to really be able to dig deep into someone's story and someone's life and see what's hurt them in the past for why maybe they're not following God. But wouldn't, uh, wouldn't going into a large crowd and just talking to a bunch of people, wouldn't that be a little bit easier? It could be a little bit easier because you're not having to have that relationship, but God also calls us to get out of our comfort zones. Yeah. It, it can be pretty comfortable to yell at a, a crowd. I think. I think the same kind of people who stand in front of crowds and 
uh, and yell at them and put them down and, and tell them all of the wrong things they're doing are the same kind of people who sit in pews every week and never go out and share the gospel, never go out and show life, show love. Both of those people are afraid to do something. They're afraid to be uncomfortable. They're afraid to make honest, real connections with people that, that don't act like them and don't talk like them. And so they deflect it to either not doing anything or doing way too much. And, and they never make that real personal connection with people. So listening to that, talking about making real connections, how, how do we do that in a world full of people who have such a negative view of Christianity, who are looking at Christians and thinking, oh, you aren't anything like the God of the Bible. You're nothing like Jesus. I want nothing to do with what you have to offer. How do we make those connections? Well, I think just by starting off, just, um, just talking to them, chatting with them and maybe even becoming friends with them. And you're just, it's a, it can be a really slow process when you're trying to make a Christ connection with someone because they may not want to hear what you're saying, but you never know how open-minded they can be whenever you have like a friendship with them, whenever you have like that connection with them. Yeah. But just really just connecting with people. I know that whenever I'm at church and I, or even just out in the world with people that aren't like me, that can be like polar opposites of me. I still like to get to know them. And I, and that makes them more comfortable when I ask them, Hey, like, how are you? What, like, what's your name that automatically sets off like kind of like a spark in them. Or I know a little bit of Spanish whenever I'm talking to someone in Spanish. And even if I mess up, like I still need to have that confidence to talk to them and a spark goes off in them and they're, they feel more comfortable with me because I'm trying to connect with them just on the most basic level of just knowing their language or just getting to know their name. And so by doing that, then you can gradually go into talking about how they view religion and then planting that seed of Christ into them. Yeah, I like that. I think about how Jesus set the standard for us. He went and he lived life with his disciples and his disciples weren't all the super churchy people, you know, one of his disciples, some of his disciples were fishermen. Some were tax collectors, some were zealots. Like these weren't the high ups. These were people who were lost and needed someone to help them. And then the people that Jesus continually interacts with, he interacts with Samaritans. He interacts with women, which at the time, you know, they were seen as less than he interacts with the lowest of the low and even a criminal on his last dying moments on the cross. And so Jesus, you see his desire is to live life and connect with them on such a level that they know he loves and cares about them. The first thing he does when the woman caught in adultery is dragged before him is he cares about her. He takes care of her. He helps her with her problem that she's dealing with. And then he goes and he says, hey, here's some truth. He doesn't start with truth. He doesn't start with telling her she's doing the wrong thing. He starts with helping her and showing her love, having a relationship, and then he moves into helping her and teaching her and helping her grow. Yeah, but we live in a pretty messy, dirty world. Wouldn't it be easier if we're trying to be Christ-like? Uh, Jesus was perfect, right? Like we can agree on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jesus was perfect. Wouldn't it be easier to live a Christ-like life um, by just sheltering ourselves off? and not interacting with the world by only keeping Christian friends, by watching pure flicks instead of Netflix, by uh, only listening to 
to Christian music and, and only being creating a Christian bubble around ourselves. Isn't that how we stay Christ-like? Um, well, you could say that, but you know, you, like you said, Jesus was perfect. So there's no way like he was going to sin or anything, but he also, he was still friends with all of those sinners and we're sinners. We need to be friends with other sinners, but by being Christ-like is by doing everything that Jesus calls us to do in the Bible. And like I said before, like he calls us to get out of our comfort zones. So if being in your little Christian bubble is your comfort zone, then you need to step out of that and go and talk to people that you may not normally talk to the kid at the lunch table. That's all by himself. Like invite him to sit with you, or maybe you have a Muslim friend and you know that you don't believe what they believe. Go and talk to them about that. Like show them that you want to know more about their religion, but tell them like what you believe about yours and like talk to each other, have that conversation and understand what other people believe so that you can help them believe what you believe. I think really this idea of we have to shelter off, we can only be with people of like minds and like faith was honestly one of the biggest things that Jesus called out on his time on earth. The Jewish people the Hebrew people were very much, we live in a bubble. We're with our people, the Hebrew people. These are the people we love. And Jesus continually broke that idea. He continually reached out to people who weren't in the Hebrew bubble. And then in his last moments, when he's about to ascend back into heaven, he tells his disciples, go to Judea, to Samaria. And Samaria is literally the place that all the Jewish people wouldn't want to go because they hated Samaritans. But he said, go to the people who don't have the same beliefs. Go to these people who don't have the same faith. Go to a place you don't want to go and share my word. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be hard a lot of the time. But you have a God who's backing you up. And so that makes it 100% worth it. I think of the words faith and intentionality. When we're talking about this, um, and first of all, you you have to be you have to have faith that what you're saying is truth, mm. that what you're sharing is truth. And I mean, if you if you know if you have faith that something is true, uh, you're not going to be timid to share it, right? Like, if someone walked up to you and said, or if if say you were in a math class, let's take it back for ten, twenty, thirty however old you are listening, take it back that, uh, <laughs> that far and think about a math class. If you're sitting in math class and, and the teacher asks what's two plus two and everyone in the class says three and all of the teachers say five and you're just sitting there and you know, the answer of two plus two is four. Like you wouldn't just keep that quiet. You wouldn't be like, yes, I'm wrong. You'd, you'd stand up. You'd be like, no, it's, it's four. Like, that's truth. And you can be confident about that truth because you can count it on your fingers. You can see clearly. And so keeping faith that, that what you're saying is true, I think keeps you from, from the world influencing you from, from taking on that. Uh, but also intentionality. Uh, I grew up with, uh, with really close friends. Um, we had four to six people in our friends group at a time in high school. And, um, we would do everything together. It'd be, 
it'd be hard to find a night when we weren't together doing something or, or someone wasn't at someone's house or, you know, uh, I, I joked around with it. I think one summer, one of my friends basically lived at my house because they would just stay there the whole time. They'd eat dinner with my family and, and be with my family. And, uh, some great things came out of that. I got to go with some, uh, to go to some youth camp, youth camps with my friends. Uh, most Sundays they'd be at church with me. A lot of Wednesdays they'd end up at youth group with me. And at the time I was like, yeah, this is great. I'm sharing the gospel. But now being much older, looking at the lives of those men, like they're in the same place they were. I weren't, I, I wasn't intentional about sharing Jesus with them. I was intentional about sharing my lifestyle with them, but I wasn't intentional about sharing Jesus with them. And so it never had any kind of impact on them. Uh, they just stayed the same people. And so having faith that what you're saying is true and then being intentional about going out and sharing that and saying, this is who Jesus is. It's not just something I do. He's someone that gives me life and, and has saved me. Yeah. One of the fears that I had though, the reason I didn't always, uh, you know, straight up tell them like, Hey, Jesus wouldn't want you to do that. Or Jesus is like this, or Jesus would want you to do this is because I was afraid that those friends would leave. They wouldn't want to be my friend anymore. And then that would ruin my witness to them. You know, like I, I wanted to keep my friendship there and I don't know if it was an excuse or a real fear of mine, but I wanted to keep that friendship so that I had the opportunity to share Jesus with them. You know, I didn't want to ruin that relationship by sharing Jesus so I could share Jesus. There's a bit of a self, yeah. self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, but what would you tell me or someone stuck in that situation? Personally, I feel like if you have someone who hasn't heard the gospel and doesn't know Jesus, you take your chance and you shoot your shot. You know, you need to know them. You need to love them. You need to have a relationship with them. But all in all, it is not up to you to make them into a Christian. It's not going to be on you to make them Christian. The only thing that it's on you is to make sure that you've shared the gospel with them. And that is both in how you live and how you treat them and in actually sharing the story of Jesus with them and what he's done in both your life and for them in their life. And so it's not up to you to force them to follow that. It's up to you just to share it because so many people have not had it shared to them in a way that they understand. Some people have had it shared to them from a pulpit, you know, living in West Texas. A lot of people have heard about Jesus but a lot of people don't know him. A lot of people don't actually understand what it means that he came down and saved them. And so for us as followers of Christ, our job isn't to convince them to follow him. Our job is just to give them the opportunity to. I like that. That was good. Um, yeah. Like Isaac was saying, like you just need to give them the opportunity. And I say like with friends, friends can definitely also be seasonal. So God may not have someone in your life for an extended period of time. So you need to take that chance that you have with them and tell them about Christ. No matter how scary it is, we can't let that fear get in our way because when we let fear get in our way, then things just don't go down the right road. Like they just don't go the way that we maybe want them to or the way that they're supposed to. And whenever you have someone that is not a Christ follower and you're scared, I 
I see fear as something that you have to push through. Fear is like that motivator for you to do that. And that's with a lot of things in life as well. But definitely when you're talking about Christ is you need to push through like that scared moment and go for it. Cause that person may not, there's a number of things that could push that person away from you before Christ would push that person away from you. Those friends that I, that I loved that I went to school with, um, I would much rather lose them here on earth than lose them in eternity. Mm. You know, that's, that's not a fate that I would want to wish on anyone spending eternity without God. And if that means giving up an earthly friendship so that they know truth, even if they throw that away, when you give it to them, that's something that they know. You, you can say that you were a good and faithful servant. And you can also trust that they, t- they took that. I mean, people don't just hear things and forget it right away. And maybe it's not their time to turn to Jesus, but maybe 20 years from now is maybe 10 years from now is maybe a month from now is like you, you have given them that thing. And I think one of you guys said it, it's their choice what to do with it. Um, but our job is to give it. So. I think, I think one of the the hardest things that we have to deal with is when someone says no or someone doesn't choose to follow we sometimes have this idea of we feel like a failure because they didn't choose to follow our god and we almost feel rejected ourselves and i think one as long as you're sharing the gospel with your friends with your family with your coworkers with those people who are put in your life by god that's a success that's that's the only thing you need to be successful is the fact that you took the time to share it all And I, whenever I went to Romania, um, the biggest thing that they told us was like, don't go in with expectations when you're sharing Christ because you never know what's going to happen. You never know what these people are going to say. And your only job is just to plant that seed is just to plant that seed of Christ in their life because you never know what's going to happen. And two girls that we met, um, we talked to them, we formed a relationship actually over one direction. Um, <laughs> we talked to them for like a solid hour, just about one direction and how much we loved one direction and Harry Styles is the best thing on earth. And, but then we got into like telling them like, Hey, like we have, um, this thing planned. We're going to play at the park. We're going to do all these fun things. Like y'all should definitely come. And like there's youth group. And we told them all about the things that happen at the local church there. And they actually started coming to youth and we planted that seed. We had no clue because we left. Like we left within a couple of days of meeting them. So we didn't know what was going to happen. But we didn't go in with those expectations of thinking that something's going to happen. And something did happen. Unfortunately, like right now, they have stepped back from the youth group and haven't been coming as much. But we still know that we did plant that seed in their life, that they did come to youth and that they got like the taste of Christ and Christ I know is going to give them that fire, like to want to learn more because once it's there, it just doesn't disappear. Like it's always going to be there. Cause I know I've had times in my life where I'm like, Ooh, I hate you God. Like you did this to me. Like you made this bad thing happen. But once I calmed down over that, like he kept speaking to me. He kept telling me like, go back to church. Like that's where you're meant to be. Like you have a future in the church, like go back. And he gave, he reignited my fire and I wasn't expecting it. I thought he had just completely left, 
but all I needed was that one plant seed to be planted whenever I was younger. And then it just kept going. Like it never left me, no matter how many times I thought Christ had left me, he never did. So that's our job is just plant that seed and see what happens. That's awesome. I like that. You can't just share the gospel with someone and then leave them to their own devices. Like when you share the gospel, you, you better be ready to pour into that person to then disciple that person or, or be ready to hand that to someone that you trust to continue discipling that person. Hmm. Eternity doesn't start when we die. Eternity starts when we say yes to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the beginning. That's not the end. They, uh, they've ha- they have to have a course. They have to know where they're going. They have to start taking those steps because that's just the first one is, is accepting Jesus. We have time to talk about one final thing. And so I want to bring you guys a phrase and you tell me what, what the definition is, what, how you feel about it. So cultural Christianity, what is it? I think cultural Christianity is believing that if you go to church, that if you wear the right t-shirt, that if you dress up nice on Sunday and Wednesday, and that if you're living a moral enough life, and that's what culture around you is doing, then you're good. Then you are going to go to heaven and you're going to be fine. And you're a true follower of Jesus. If you do those little bit of things. And I think cultural Christianity honestly is what, um, West Texas and Texas especially has been living in for quite a while, believing that our culture is Christian. And so most people that we know are going to be Christians, quote unquote, Um, and we think, okay, well, just doing the bare minimum means we're followers of God. And that's not true. And honestly, cultural Christianity is a huge hindrance to God and his kingdom because so many people think they're followers of God and they don't have a relationship with him at all. So many people think, okay, if I sit in a pew, if I follow what the Bible says, which that's not following by serving people. That's not following by sharing the gospel. That's not following by doing what the Bible actually says. It's not breaking any of the rules. If I do these things, then I'm set. It's the same problem that the Pharisees ran into in Jesus's time. And it's something that will probably plague the church till, till Christ comes back. Ooh, yeah, that was good. I liked that a lot. Um, I think definitely the first thing that comes to my head is go to church party the next day kind of thing. Mm. Cause especially living like in the college community right now and going um, and being on a college campus is that I've seen so many students come into church and then like they'll party on the weekends and they're like, all right, got to go to church so that I can make up for it. So I don't go to hell. But that's really not how it works. And that's kind of sad that they don't know that's not how it works. And that's, again, like that's our job is like help them know like, hey, like just because you sin and then come to church the next day doesn't mean that's a fixed, like you need to try to stop sinning. Mm -hmm. We're always going to sin, but you got to try to stop sinning. And that's definitely a big thing right now is just sin, 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 do all the bad stuff. But if I go to church, then everything's better because Jesus tells us to go to church. But that's really, that's just not how it works. And that's one of the other things that is we need to help fix. And 
which I mean, we can't necessarily fix the whole issue, but one-on-one like help people like realize who Christ is and what you're supposed to do is have a relationship with him to go to heaven. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of times, um, it's this idea because the whole time that the whole time today we've been talking about following Christ in a world that's not following Christ. Um, and sometimes I think a lot of people's minds, it's Christians versus versus atheists. You know, it's the, it's the holy versus the partiers. It's the living for God versus the living for themselves, uh, which to an extent, you know, that's the two, the two separate sides, but what we miss when we think about it like that are those people who go to church every Sunday. Maybe they have perfect attendance and, uh, and they don't have a relationship with Jesus. Those people who are following the Christian rules, but don't know Jesus. Those kind of people, you look at scripture and Jesus talks about those people. He says, he says that, that in the end they're going to come up to him and and they're going to say, we prophesied in your name and we served in your name. And he's going to tell them, be gone. I never knew you. You know, that's a scary thought. And so we should, we should be just as on fire as followers of Christ in a world that's not to break cultural Christianity as we are on fire to, to reach out to people who are, are currently living without any semblance of Christ in their life. All right. Well, do you guys have any final thoughts on this topic before we head out? I would just say as we're continuously walking into a world that is against Christ and against against Christ followers just to stay positive and keep your spirits up because that's all we can do is we can pray for everyone. We can continue striving forward. Like don't take that step back from sharing Christ, like keep walking forward, not only in your relationship with Christ, but helping other people form their own. I think my, my thing that I even struggle with sometimes is when you have relationships with the people who don't know Christ, as you get to know them, as you get to love them, please, please, please don't turn them into a project. Please genuinely love them. Please genuinely form a relationship with them. Hmm. Man, people can smell it when you're just trying to be friends with someone so you can share Christ with them. Love them because you love them. And then share Christ with them because you love them so much you don't want to see them separated from God forever. And when you and I'm telling y'all, it will have moments where it hurts and it's hard. Loving someone who doesn't know Christ, you can't expect them to act like Christians. But when you love them and you have a genuine relationship with them, it's so much easier to share. It's so much easier to care about them. It's so much easier to want to have that relationship with them and want them to know Christ. Like Anderson said before, be intentional. Yeah. Like in any type of relationship you have, be intentional with it. You know, I'd, I'd say, uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to hurt a whole lot trying to follow Christ in a world that's not, but that doesn't mean we should stop. You know, uh, scripture talks about us ending up in eternity with Jesus and him telling us, well done, good and faithful servant. And you might never hear that. You might never feel that here on this earth. We're not guaranteed a well done, good and faithful service servant here on this earth. Um, But we are guaranteed that in eternity. So if you have to wait 80 years to, to see the work that you're doing um, come to any good, keep doing it. 
because eternity is a lot longer than our lives here on this earth. All right. Well, let's go follow Christ in a world that's not and live the call. All right. Bye. <laughs> bye. <Good food. laughs> Thank you for joining us today on this episode of Living the Call. We hope that you take what you've learned here today and use it to grow in your walk with God. Living the Call is a ministry of Calvary Lubbock. If you don't have a church home and live in Lubbock, we'd love for you to join our family. You can do that by going to calvarylubbock.life and hit the Get Connected button. If you don't have a church home and aren't in Lubbock, we encourage you to find a place where you can grow and serve. We'll see y'all next Thursday.